Welcome, everybody, to the Shake and Blake Show on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. We're back after a week off. How's it going, John? Not bad, not bad. Just getting some finals done. The finals come early for my sake, like right before Thanksgiving, and huh. it's just crazy. It's just how early they come. Yeah, how quickly they come. That is pretty. And we got a week until Thanksgiving, so we just gotta, we just gotta hang in there. We're just gonna celebrate eating some of that Jayhawk meat a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Great segue. And we have a really great show for you. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the Sunflower Showdown. Just you know, touch on it a little bit. Not a whole lot to talk about. You know, pretty much all K State. We'll preview West Virginia game. Talk about the basketball team opening their season. Aoka Lee making some history for the K State women's team. And then we'll also do a little bit of trivia for you, John. I think you will be tested. And there's the stakes are very high. The stakes are very high. Very high. We playing for a million. Whose line is it anyway? Points. And you know the thing about the whose line is it anyway? Points. John, what what is it? Uh, they don't matter. So sweet. <laughs> Have you ever I got, watched? I got nothing to lose. You ever watch Whose Line Is It Anyway? I do not. No, oh, it's like a, it was like an improv show on ABC in like the late nineties. Okay. And yeah, Drew Carey was the host, and like they would all just pretty. They pretty much just was a thirty minute like let's make fun of. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> okay, let's get into uh, K State KU last Saturday, thirty five ten favor of the Cats. Deuce Vaughn. Career high in rushing yards, 162. Skylar Thompson throws for 244 yards. QBR of 89.4. Pretty solid game, especially from the offensive line, John. That's what really stood out to me. Thompson overall has been able to get to not only, like, he's just been consistent the whole game. Like, pretty much this whole K-State offense, they were just didn't seem to have too many problems. They, uh, Deuce Vaughn, you mentioned it. Uh, he had 162 yards and three touchdowns against a very like one of the worst rush defenses I've ever seen in college football. I mean, it's Kansas, but what what you gotta everybody in the Big 12 has to play him at some point. Uh, but not not only on the run game, on the on the passing game as well. K State uh, Thompson overall has been able to get to receivers. Phillip Brooks. Uh, Malik Knowles, that, that huge touchdown, uh, I think, was it in the first quarter, like late in the first quarter, or was it? I'm not 100% sure, but it was a huge touchdown. It was it was a big one, and just seeing just seeing a lot of offensive production is just seeing, like, it's, I think it's great seeing the improvement that we've been waiting to see kind of, like, push since that Iowa State loss. Yeah, and how about some of the wide receiver depth? I mean, 11 different guys caught a ball for K-State. I mean, Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles were both a little banged up in the middle of the game. So we saw some guys like R.J. Garcia. Cade Warner Cade made a, Warner. a few great catches on third down to really bail us out. And, I mean, I think it was, overall it was a really solid game. The offensive line looks so good. I mean, I know, you know, it's KU. We kind of have to preface that with everything. But it just looks so easy. I mean, it just could not be easier for us to run the ball. We were just absolutely winning at the line of scrimmage, hands down. And how about this? For Cade Warner's sakes, it is his first, uh, as a Wildcat, like, he hasn't had a whole lot of playing time at Nebraska, and, and he's been dealing, and back then he was dealing with a kind of a bad culture over there now. Now he's getting to kind of get some reps in with a team that, like, provides a good culture, family atmosphere. He's going to go bowling for the first time in his career as well. How about that? Should be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, overall, I mean, again, 35-10, absolutely demolishing. You know, and Deuce Vaughn, obviously, career high in rushing yards. And, you know, I think for a lot of the K-State players, the media were asking a lot, like, when did you realize that Deuce Vaughn was going to be a solid player? And for Skylar Thompson, it was pretty early on. So here are uh, Skylar's thoughts about, um, you know, getting to know Deuce Vaughn 
uh, in the, over the summer of 2020 and seeing how good he really was. You know, I knew actually the first time that I threw with Deuce uh, during COVID when all that stuff was happening, we were at uh, Annenberg Park actually and was playing some catch uh, back in those crazy times. And uh, the first time that I threw to, threw to him, I immediately kept, uh, texted Coach Anderson. It was like, this, this kid's going to be really special. And it was something just about the way that he communicated, the way that he approached just doing that. Uh, and the way that he moved and, and caught the ball, you could tell it was just natural for him. And, um, you know, he's not a guy that's that's going to let the, let the success get to his head. And he, he's very humble and approaches his work, you know, the same way every single day. And when a guy like, you know, with the talent that he has and what he's been doing to stay consistent in that aspect, it's it's no surprise that he's doing what he's doing right now. Now, for KU, I mean, they already had it hard enough being KU, but, you know, Daniel Green delivering an absolutely monstrous hit to Jason Bean. Jason Bean's actually, I kind of like Jason Bean. He's a very athletic quarterback, can really run the ball. Questionable audible to a quarterback power when Daniel Green is playing as good as he did, and he absolutely had a monstrous hit down on Jason Bean. I mean, if Daniel Green didn't show how much K-State has dominated this rivalry for the past 13 years, I don't know what does. I mean, a pair of early tackles from K-State linebacker Daniel Green helped set up the tone for this game. I mean, he sprinted into KU back into the Kansas backfield on some key plays and delivered bone-crushing hits uh, that made an impact. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely, uh, you know, just absolutely, you were right, some crushing hits. Now here's Chris Kleiman talking about how well Daniel Green is playing this season. I think he's playing at an all-conference level. I, I really do. I'm excited for him. His first year as a true full-time starter. He has played a lot in our previous two years, but uh, this year being a full-time starter and being the guy, uh, we put an awful lot on his plate as far as making some, some adjustments and some calls and some line stunts. And um, he feels more and more confident each week. I know he's playing with a lot of confidence. I think it helps him having a guy like Cody with him. That's uh, uh, another really good super senior that um, between the two of them, they've played a lot of ball and they've played a lot of ball together. And so it's, it's, it's a comfort level for Coach Standard to have those two guys out there. But I think Daniel's playing at a really high level. I mean, linebackers are really key on defense, and I think we've got you know a couple of great ones in Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher, and uh, you know other ones as well, Austin Moore. You know, I think it's just a really solid defense overall. And Kleiman mentioned it on Monday. I mean, I think they had everybody practicing on Monday. Not really a ton of injury things to talk about this week. I mean, Bronson Massey's back and playing, so I mean, this team is really at full strength coming off of you know three wins after being zero and three in conference play with a ton of momentum going into this game against West Virginia. And this should be really ones that players should look at and say, okay, th- we've lost to these guys back, back-to-back back years. And some years we didn't have the best team out on the field, whether it was just they weren't having their best day, whether it was have COVID issues like last year. I mean, these, ne- these next few games coming up with West Virginia, Baylor, and at Texas uh, on Black Friday, that's going to be pretty much how we – how we proceed to this uh, K-State team heading into bowl season. Yeah, let me go ahead and ask you uh, a little bit of a question here. Uh, Derek Young was asked this in his mailbag over at K-State Online. What is the most likely thing to happen in the last three games? 3-0, and 2-1, and 1-2, 0-3. Again, K-State plays West Virginia at home this week, and then they tra- uh, play Baylor at home as well, and then travel to Texas to end the season. Well, I think you just got to like – you kind of like where the match is set with West Virginia and Texas a little bit. I I think Baylor just kind of caught themselves in a fluke last weekend, uh, last weekend against TCU. 
Uh, but K State, K State can win against West Virginia. They just can't have, like the Baylor game. They can't have any flukes. Uh, and then we'll we'll see how Texas goes because Texas has just been they they they've been making it more easier for me to be more convinced about K State winning there. Just they can't win the second half, and that might be where K State dominates most more so uh, in in the second half. Yeah, it's definitely close, but as the weeks have gone on, I mean, this is going to be a Baylor team that's, you know, they lost to TCU last week. They have to play Oklahoma this week. So that's going to be two, you know, pretty emotional games for Baylor coming into K-State having to travel to Manhattan. So, I mean, I think personally for me, I think 2-1 and one is probably the most likely outcome. I think we managed to sneak a win over Baylor or Texas, especially, you know, Texas on a four-game losing streak right now. And, and for K-State's sakes, like, you're, like, as always a K-State fan, like, the expectations are like, okay, you always want to surpass uh, six and six, right? So we're now six, we're, we have now reached six wins. We just now need to uh, just build, build ourselves, like, bigger and bigger and bigger. Or, like, keep racking up more of these wins to get to, like, a better bowl appearance and rather instead of the Liberty Bowls of the world, the guaranteed rate bowls. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, I mean, ideally, you know, six wins is definitely, you know, not something that this team was expected to, you know, was definitely expected to get more than six wins. So you definitely shouldn't be satisfied with six wins. I mean, yeah, you hope that, you know, you can get at least one win against uh, Baylor or Texas for kind of, you know, but this or West just, Virginia or just team. Some, or just some of these teams that have just owned you over the past few years. Yeah. Especially. So. Yeah, but getting back to West Virginia, it's been, this has been a really inconsistent team. You know, sometimes they can really bring it offensively. They beat Iowa State, but, you know, in other times, you know, I mean, they, they looked pretty bad against Oklahoma State. They, you know, muffed a punt, fumbled. I mean, I think winning the turnover battle is going to be really key. I mean, even against KU, we couldn't force a turnover on them. I think, you know, this defense has gotten a lot stronger, you know, with Felix and Udike Uzama getting Reggie Stubblefield back, Bronson Massey, the way Daniel Green has been playing. You know, obviously we have a pretty deep uh, defensive back um, like staff now with, you know, Echo Boydo and all these other names. So I think being able to, you know, force a turnover and make it easier for our offense is going to be really key. West Virginia uh, last season, they had the best defense in the country. And just looking at some of the statistics, they'll show you that they they came to play last year. And some some of that some of that uh, talent that uh, Neil Brown has had um, for West Virginia is now gone. So it's just been kind of uh, defensively, we don't know a whole lot about West Virginia. But what we do know offensively about West Virginia is that it's an it's it's an on and off team. I mean, like they bombed away on Iowa State and pulled off a shocker. However, the O line and the O line didn't work against Oklahoma State, and neither did Jared Dagey. Uh, the game against the Cowboys also was uh, also was ready running back Luddy Letty Brown's worst of the season. I mean, after running for 100 yards in back-to-back games against TCU and Iowa State, marking the third time he's passed uh, the century mark this year, Brown was held to just 24 rushing yards on 10 carries. It marked his lowest production since 2019. Uh, Brown is uh, Brown now has 666 rushing yards, which uh, ranks seventh in the Big 12, and his 11 rushing touchdowns are tied for the third most in the league. Uh, so we'll see. Well, because K State's defense has definitely been a thorn uh, in the last three games in term in terms of a uh, stopping the run. Yeah. Uh, before we get into a little bit more about West Virginia, let's go ahead and hear Chris Climate thoughts about uh, giving a bit of a preview for playing West Virginia. Well, um, you know, you watch him against Oklahoma, and uh, I really thought they won the line of scrimmage. 
against Oklahoma. I thought that they were very disciplined. They didn't miss any tackles. And against Oklahoma, that's the key because the ball is going to be out in space. And they didn't miss any tackles. Um, you know, I watched them against TCU um, eliminate big plays and find big plays of their own. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of it's matchups, too. Um, and uh, uh, they have tremendous skill at the at wide receiver and, and, and running back and, and an experienced quarterback. So they're, you can't just say we're going to try to shut down um, the run game or try to uh, eliminate somebody out of the out of the wide receiver group because they have so many people that can beat you. And then on defense, they've got a bunch of veteran guys that played a lot of football, and they know where they fit, and they uh, they do a good job running the ball. Yeah, the defense is going to have to keep their eyes on Dante Stills. Or, excuse me, the offense is going to have to keep their eyes on Dante Stills. And then defensively, I mean, Letty Brown, Jared Dagey, those guys are real threats. I mean, you know, you don't know which kind of West Virginia team you're going to get, it, but you definitely want to prepare for the good ones. Like I just said, it was it's going to be on and off. Like, is, well, West, is Jared Dagey going to be on? Is he going to be off? Is the offensive line going to be on? Is it going to be off? We honestly don't know. When we saw him against Iowa State and TCU, they were on. And then they just kind of been like it's just been a roller coaster to be honest. Yeah, and then something I want to point out, a few key players I think we should look at. I mean, is that you know um, our boy Felix Aiyudika Yusam is going to has been noting that uh, he's he's been getting he got double teamed and triple teamed against KU, and I think that's going to happen a lot more. I mean, it's officially now thanks to the power of K State Twitter, he's now the nation's sack leader. Originally was a guy from Ole Miss, but thanks to uh, some voices in K-State Twitter, we are able to get him back on top with his rightful 11 sacks. Yeah, I mean, g- give, a, give a man his credit. It's co- clearly yeah. 11 sacks. I mean, They already took away two sacks for that NCAA record. I mean, you just can't kick him while he's down. But I want to point out is that since, you know, and you Uzama is going to get double teamed, that these guys like Eli Huggins, Nate Matlack, Jalen Pickle, they really need to step up. Both those Bronson Massey and get some pressure themselves when, you know, Felix is drawing a double team. Yeah, they and just seeing how the defense has progressed and progressed, it's now starting to look like that there's other key impacts defensively, like once every game. So, like, Felix and Yudeke Uzama during the Texas Tech TCU game, and then Daniel Green all of a sudden just comes thrashing on Kansas. So we just, like, just more production from everybody else. And I think looking at a leaky West Virginia offensive line, if they're off that day, West Virginia could be in, a, in for a long one offensively. Yeah, and then in terms of our offense, I'd like to see a lot more uh, like two running back sets. I think Joe Irvin, he had a, he had a secretly quiet, good game. I, I highly agree. Joe Irvin, man, he just when he hits the hole, he finds the gap. He just he, his acceleration is just so he, insane. Out of I'm, everybody that I've seen on K State's roster, I think he has the most potential. I, I think I think he's I think he's kind of hitting hitting like like Deuce did last season. Just finding the holes, like, and when he when he's able to find those holes, he just explodes so quickly. Uh, and then he just like he he'll probably get tackled more easier compared to Deuce, but like you got you got two dual threats who can help who can help move a uh, move K State into enemy territory. I mean, that's that's and also that's kind of just been what K State has been more more so of a running game uh, type of team. Uh, over the past few years, the passing game has has improved, but I think 
in terms of a running game, like that's just been like where the roots have been yeah. since the Bill Snyder era. And one of the things Coach Messingham mentioned in his press conference that makes Deuce Vaughn so great is that he owns the offense, understands the offense not only as a running back but as a receiver, which even helps. You know, I mean, you could have you know, be an 11 personnel with Joe Irvin and then have Deuce Vaughn out in the uh, out as at wide receiver, and he, he can really do it all. And I think you hit the nail on the head there uh, that about Joe Irvin, something he can prove on. I think he could learn from Deuce Vaughn how to break that first tackle because if he has the acceleration that he has getting through the hole and he can break that first tackle at the second level, I mean, I think he could be an absolute star and an all-conference running back in a, in a Big 12 league that is absolutely filled with talented running backs. Oh, yeah, just – with the way Brees Hall has been playing as of late for Iowa State, uh, can't can't always forget about Bijan Robinson. Letty Brown still in the conversation from West Virginia. Kennedy Brooks, Oklahoma. Some of these guys are just they're just up there, and I think Joe Urban's he's he's making his way up there. I I I think he's he's definitely has the most amount of potential. Like like I said, I'm. I, that's all I gotta say on that. Yeah, I don't know what else I got. Yeah, and then you mentioned uh, Letty Brown for West Virginia. Here's what uh, Chris Kleiman had to say about what Letty Brown brings to the table for the Mountaineers. Boy, he runs with a purpose, runs with an attitude. Um, fun watching him run because uh, um, he doesn't take the punishment; he delivers the punishment. And uh, I'm super impressed with him. Have been for a while, um, and um, he's a, he's a terrific football player and. Uh, when the, you know they, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. They, you know they, when they go to their empty, they keep him in the game, and he becomes kind of a wide receiver. They run some screens to him. Obviously, he's great with just you know handing the ball off to him. But he's a complete player. Yeah, he really is. Definitely something to watch out for. And then back on uh, K State's offense, I wouldn't be surprised, even though um, Knowles and Brooks are seem to be healthy and will play, if we see more. You know, wide receivers play. R.J. Garcia, um, you know, Tyron Howell was looking really good before he got suspended in that fight against T.C., which they've been in back-to-back weeks on late hits on Skylar Thompson. So hopefully that doesn't happen a uh, third time. But I think you could – I mean, we have a pretty talented wide receiver core, and we've been passing the ball really well. I mean, Skylar Thompson's mentioned that, like, you know, he's – He's been able to do this with just with the injury last year and what happened this year. Like, like he's, he just hasn't had the chance to show it. We saw it against Oklahoma. He's he's able to find his targets. Landry Weber comes into mind when it, when that Oklahoma game occurs. Um, and then you also and then also let's talk, let's think about how how improved Malik Knowles has gotten uh, because he he couldn't catch a ball for his life uh, the first few games of a season uh, that. That dime that he connected from Skylar Thompson, that was a chef's kiss right there. Like, just a great way to see, like, great way to see, like, the the throw on target by Thompson and Malik knows he's not he's not either dropping the ball as as much as he has been uh, previously. Uh, you you got to like how much the offense has progressed so far. Yeah, I'm a huge Malik Knowles guy. I love his talent, especially his frame, being as tall as he is, being able to go up and get balls like he has You know, this season, even though there have been some drops. I think he's a really talented guy and a true like X receiver that K-State really needs with guys like Phillip Brooks filling in at the slot and Landry Wemmer, and maybe we'll see more of Cade Werner. Um, we'll see what kind of, you know, we see from the tight ends, Amato Bebe and uh, Sam Wheeler as well. But, yeah, it should be an interesting game. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up a little bit. Give me uh, a couple keys and then maybe a uh, prediction for tomorrow's game, 11 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. And uh, K-State is favored by six right now. Yep. It was six and a half. I think it went, went down to six. And then the over-under is 47. 
Well, K-State's already bowl eligible. West Virginia's not. And I, and I think the word around Morgantown is they'll need this more. But K-State's just been quietly playing too well. I mean, if you look over, overall in the first three conference games of the season, K-State pushed Oklahoma. I mean, they weren't awful against Oklahoma State and Iowa State either. And now they seem to be finding a nice balance that keeps everything going, like the rushing game and the passing game. I mean, this is a good, tight game that should be in doubt, deep probably in the fourth quarter, with K-State moving the change just a bit better. Uh, I mean, you also add to the fact that West Virginia just been just been like up and down offensively. We, we honestly don't know what we're going to get, but if it's like we saw against Oklahoma State and some of their uh, – preseason games like Maryland I believe where they were just off uh, and then you also add in the home field advantage I think personally K-State could I think K-State's going to snap West Virginia's five-game winning streak in the series I mean I think I think it's due and I think K-State a lot of K-State players had enough of their of like hearing all oh, with West Virginia five-game lead series I mean I think this team is ready. They have the they have the healthy they have the healthy healthy players and they're ready to go. I, I cannot talk today. <laughs> no, you know you're totally fine. Yeah, this is gonna be a huge game. I mean, it's 11 a.m. kickup, but the bill should be packed and absolutely rocking. And I mean, yeah, you mentioned. I think you know this team is definitely not satisfied with getting six wins. And then I think it's been really great offensively that we've put on tape that we can really throw the ball. I think that really makes defenses respect. You know, have to play back, and that will open up the run game. And seeing defensively that we can make stops as well. Yeah, because West, this West Virginia team, they're vulnerable. Like for the whole year, we've seen them at at, at a very vulnerable moment in the year. Yeah, and um, yeah, for a score prediction, I think this is actually going to be a pretty low scoring game. I'm still like 24-14. I'm going to go 31-20. to 20. Okay, a little bit higher. So you're, you would take the over on that. I'm going to take the over. Okay. Yeah, before we uh, get to some headlines in basketball, I want to play a clip from Skylar Thompson's press conference talking about his uh, his journey at K-State. And, I mean, it's crazy to think about that Skylar Thompson's only got four games left, the final three games in a bowl game. He's only got four games left. He can't come back for his seventh year. I don't think he can. Maybe Maybe he will. But um, here are his thoughts about, you know, he's been starting to think about, um, you know, that it's the beginning of the end for him. I've been putting a lot of thought into, you know, just what my journey here at K-State has been like, you know, and it's it's been a journey for sure. And there's it, it's never been easy, you know, and it, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but I'm so grateful for the whole process that 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 has been. And it's truly developed me into, you know, developed me as a person, as a player, as a teammate, friend, brother, I mean, literally every aspect of my life, this program has has developed me, and and it's and that's what I came here for. And you know, now that the 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 clock is is ticking, you know, and it, it and it's coming to an end, I'm just trying to just enjoy every single moment that I that I have right now with my teammates and in this program because it is so special to me. And knowing that I only have a couple games left here. In, in Bill Snyder Family Stadium and all the memories that it's brought to my life and my family, it's it's truly special. And you know, as much as like that can be, that can be, it's good to put thought into, but it can be an emotional roller coaster. You know, if you invest too much thought into it. So I've just really been focusing on just having fun and enjoying this process and just taking it one week at a time. You know, because like I I told the team after the game and and yesterday we had a captains meeting and it's. We didn't come here to win six games and be bowl eligible. You know, that's not why I came here. That's not why, 
you know, speaking to the team while 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 any of us came here to just win six games to be eligible. Like that's not yes, it's a great accomplishment, but we're here for more and we want to place ourselves in the best position to be in the best bowl game possible. And in order for us to do that is taking it one game at a time and, and focusing on this week, focusing on today, and everything else take care of itself. So that's that's all I'm focused on and I'm having fun. Um enjoying the enjoying the game. You know, it, it's so fun and uh, I have a lot of fun with my teammates and just trying to cherish the moment. Just seeing him in, in his first career start. Oh, well, not – it wasn't his first career start, but he came in uh, during the Texas Tech game, I believe, what was it, 20 – 16? 2016. I think it was 2017 maybe. I'm not sure. It was in Lubbock. Uh, he It was down to the wire. Just seeing his leadership and, and, um, and devotion to, towards his team – uh, when they were down, like when they were down, didn't have a whole lot of players healthy on that roster. They came into Lubbock that year and they they won an overtime game. And I and that game, I knew he's going to be the real deal, in Manhattan. He, he's he's going to be the one that this team will thrive on in terms of leadership. Uh, he's going to be the one that that the players can rally around every single day and really be the one that that the folks in Manhattan just look look up to when when stuff happens like doesn't work towards K-State at K-State's advantage. I mean, we, we've already seen Will Howard play this year and last year. Uh, it just comes to show how much uh, Skylar, uh, Skylar Thompson has really made an impact towards this team. Yeah, when you hear stuff like that about, you know, his journey and how much he's learned from this K-State program and how much it's helped him and, you know, the love he has for the school, it makes you really, you know, it puts a smile on your face knowing you're a K-State fan. It feels like, you know, you're rooting for the good guys almost. But let's go ahead and hear a word from Tanners, and then we're going to get into some headlines around K-State sports and talk a little about the uh, basketball team's first game on Wednesday against Florida A&M. Back on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove, we're going to go ahead and get into some headlines, talk a little K-State men's basketball, and then we'll do a little bit of trivia where John will be tested on his K-State knowledge. But first, the volleyball team broke a three-week hiatus uh, yesterday when they played Iowa State, lost three sets to one, uh, despite 11 kills from Aaliyah Carter, 14 digs for Mackenzie Morris in the loss. Play the Cyclones again tomorrow at 1 before they go to Texas on the road November 18 and 19. Finish up at home in the Sunflower Showdown November 26 and 27. Currently sit at 14 and 8, 5 and 6 in conference play. Uh, K-State was just limited to 44 kills and a 139 hitting percentage uh, by Iowa State. The Cyclones just uh, claimed to a four-set victory. I mean, K-State's uh, kill total mark season low in a four-set match, while their hitting efficiency was the second lowest uh, four-set clip of the year. And then conversely, Iowa State's 60 kills were a season high allowed the Cats, allowed by the Cats in a, in a four-set contest. And We'll we'll see how K State responds uh, on Saturday. They they were supposed to play on Friday, but Iowa State has a men's basketball game, so they're gonna play tomorrow night. And we'll we'll see how K State does. Not not only looking to get their first win in Ames since two thousand and seven, wow, but a potential NCAA tournament berth on the line for both teams as well. It's it's going to be interesting. Definitely want to finish the season strong. Now, on to some better news. The women's basketball team opened up on Tuesday against Central Arkansas, which can only be described as a shellacking. 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 103 to 40. Smacking. 103 to 40. Aoka Lee made school history, a school record, 43 points 
along with nine rebounds, three assists, four blocks, three steals. I mean, the numbers just speak for themselves. I mean, it's just absolutely insane, John. She beat Ar- she beat Central Arkansas, forty three to forty. But the real story was Lee's dominant offensive performance. I just saw her break the K State single single game scoring record. I mean, just she dropped forty three points in just twenty four minutes of game action. She she has she has a lot of potential to rally this team when it comes to playing some of these big teams like NC State coming up, uh, South Carolina in the Big Twelve SEC Challenge, Oregon and Baylor. These are these are some big teams coming up, and I, I'm very looking forward to seeing how this team ha- handles some of the adversity and more particularly how Aoka Lee. Uh, faces some of these more more elite teams in women's basketball. Yeah, I mean she's already carving out her legacy as one of uh, as an all time great in K State women's basketball, and they are currently playing. Actually, yeah, they just started. Oh, yeah. They're probably tipping off right now against UT Martin in the 2021 preseason WNIT, and then they play Western Kentucky on Sunday. Both those games are at Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, is has the game actually started? Uh, not that I'm seeing from sports broadcast. They're probably okay. doing the pregame show with Brian Smoller. So yeah, there's probably they'll probably start here in a little bit. But uh, looking around the Big Twelve tomorrow for football, uh, Iowa State traveling to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, their new coach Sonny Cumbie at five wins, one win away from bowl eligibility, but they've got a really tough schedule coming up. Texas Tech might be in a transition for the Joey McGuire era uh, for 2022, but it's still Sonny Cumbie's team for the moment, and they just still got some issues they need to fix. Uh, Iowa State's offense is just too balanced and too consistent, um, and their experience will come through, and because they and their, their offense is going to come through because, and I I don't think they'll be a letdown anyway because they got Oklahoma coming up. They'll want to keep on winning before. They got the Sooners next week. Yeah, and then TCU playing Oklahoma State. TCU able to pull off a big upset against a highly ranked Baylor team. Can they do it again against number 10 Oklahoma State, I believe? Yep, number 10 Oklahoma State. Jerry Kill is one of the best coaches in college football. I mean, just may not not be like in terms of record-wise, but he's – like when the team is in doubt, like when he was back in Minnesota and then TCU last week, He's brought his team together, and, and they've beaten some pretty big teams like Baylor uh, last weekend. So, geez, I, besides from that, though, I think that was just kind of more of a fluke on Baylor's part. T- TCU wasn't generating enough uh, uh, enough on the pass rush, uh, or the, or, and the run defense has just been rocky. Uh, and the secondary has allowed for well over 200 yards in each of its last five games. I think TCU will be pesky, but Oklahoma State, just they're just a better team defensively. Yeah, for sure. And then we mentioned Texas on a four-game losing streak, but luckily for them, they're going up against the Kansas Jayhawks at home, 31-point favorites. I'm pretty sure uh, FPI gave them like a 98.5% chance to win, so pretty likely to win. And then to round it out, Oklahoma going to Baylor. That's going to be a huge game. College game day would have been in Waco if they lost if they didn't lose to TCU. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Uh, you know how this works for Oklahoma, though. I mean, it, it looks rough for ske- for stretches. The defense gives up scoring drives, and it looks like it's all going to fall apart. And then Caleb Williams just comes in like Superman all of a sudden and does something Heisman worthy. The the offensive line decides it's time to kick it all in, and the pop will come with a few big runs and a and a home run in, uh, in terms of a passing attack. I think Baylor is just great against the run. The offensive line has been great at, uh, but I think Oklahoma is just offensively just too much better. 
And, it's, and, they've, and they've done that, like, especially with, with Spencer Rattler uh, benched. I mean, I think Oklahoma just, team chemistry speaking, they've been just building up more steam. Uh, and talk about the playoff rankings, too. Oklahoma's number eight. Yeah, number eight, eight. eight. That's definitely that's definitely a chip on the shoulder. Yeah, especially sure. after a bye week to really let it simmer over. So that should be a really great game, 11 o'clock on Fox Sports. And then transitioning into the Big 12 standings, obviously Oklahoma's still atop undefeated uh, 6-0 in conference play. Oklahoma State right below them. They play in Bedlam the last game of the season, November 27th. That should be a good one. Then Baylor right behind them at 4-2 and in conference play. So, I mean, if Baylor can pull off a win, it's going to get really messy up at the top. Uh, Iowa State just behind them at 4-2. and K-State sneakily in there at 3-3. Three and three. I know. They That's don't control it. their own destiny, but you never know if they went out and some crazy stuff happens. You never know. We've seen, we've seen chaos here over the past few years. Uh, and then the funniest part is seeing Texas in the, bo- in the bottom five because it's Texas. I mean, you got you got to got pitch in your hatred <laughs> a little bit. Always got to throw horns down. And then uh, for the men's basketball team, they got a win against Florida A&M, but they also got a big recruit to sign for them, Taj Manning, three-star recruit from Bishop Miege. Here's what Bruce Weber had to say about it. We're, we're really excited about him. He's a lot of upside. Uh, it's gotten better and better. Uh, we, we recruit him a little bit through Zoom, uh, you know, during COVID. Uh, then this summer, uh, Coach Henderson saw him first and just kept saying, man, he's pretty good. Uh, you know, then Coach Lowry went, and we just kept, man, he just keeps getting better. And if you talk to the coaches at La Luminaire, they're just thrilled with what he does. He's got, you know, got a big body, uh, got great energy, plays really hard, and, and he's really improved his stroke. Uh, where he's, I don't think he was even shooting threes a year ago. Now he's a, a three-point, uh, he's a three-point threat for them. Uh, great young man, great family. His dad, Lauren, just uh, you know, works with kids, coaches, uh, you know, young kids, and and they just they're they're really good people and a good family. So we're thrilled to have them. Yeah, go, go ahead, John. Uh, being rated among one of the top. 200 prospects nationally, number 191 according to 24/7 Sports. Uh, the six foot eight, 215 pound power forward. Uh, he he's a he's he's pretty dang good. Seeing uh, some of his action at Bishop Mage, uh, he was one of the three Bishop Mage products that were named in the KBCA Class 4A All State team, including two on the first team. Uh, he was also selected uh, for the first team All Eastern Kansas League. And the Eastern Kansas League is just a literal death trap uh, just watching basketball. But I I am very uh, excited to see what he brings to the table for K-State overall. I, I it, It's just Bruce. And I think you got to look at K-State recruiting as well. You, you got a powerhouse in Kansas as well. And just seeing K-State progress up higher and higher in terms of recruiting, you, you just got to like that from a, from a coaching and a fan uh, standpoint. Yeah, definitely a huge signing. Now, we only have a couple of minutes to talk about the basketball game on Wednesday, but K-State took it over Florida A&M 67 to 57. Uh what did you make of the game, John? I get it. I get it. But with so many new faces, we might expect the nerves to play a role in the first game, you know. So, but the new Cats did not turn the ball over much early, but they struggled to make shots and tra- in traffic and got out hustled for rebounds and lose and they turn over the balls until Bruce and the staff straightened things up at halftime. 
just a tough night for Mike McGraw as well. He's, he seemed to have a lot of jitters, scoring only three three points on uh, on 0 for 6, 0 for 3, uh, 0 for 3 from three-point range. Uh, he had the highest usage. He had the highest usage rate uh, on the squad by far, at a forty-one point eighty-one percent. That's Russell Westbrook-esque. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, he he was the only player with a negative effectiveness effectiveness rate at negative one. We we know by now that Mike is streaky. The good news is that the team may not may have the talent to take to uh, take offensive pressure off of Mike, feeding feeding him up to, to the little things that make the big that make the big pl- things work. Yeah, uh, I have a couple points to make, and then we'll get into some K State trivia. I mean, you know, in that first half, I didn't think our defense was actually that bad as it looked. I thought the Rattlers were making some. They were really... Rand. Uh, what is it, MJ? Rand- MJ Randolph. He, he, looked, he, did he had a great, great game. He, I mean, he looked really solid. I mean, twenty-seven points, six assists. And uh, seven rebounds. I mean, a really quality outing by him. He looked really good. Cameron Reeves made some tough jumpers for them as well. But, I mean, I think a couple of standout players for me. Selton Miguel in the yeah. second half. He needs to start next week against Omaha. He looks so good. Selton Miguel scored all 10 of his points between the 12-minute 49 mark and the 9-17 mark uh, in the second half to open up a 10-point margin against the uh, Florida a and a game that Tilvin featured seven ties and twelve lead changes. He, he he just he was the one that stepped up. And you're right. I think I think he definitely deserves some the uh, starting time. Yeah. And then Nigel Pack led the way, scoring four of seven from downtown. Made some huge threes. Made a deep one, I believe, to tie the back game back up at 39, which was really huge for some momentum. And then Marquise Noel, I really liked what I saw from him. He was able to create dribble penetration consistently against the Rattlers defense and that make that driving kick really effective. And I mean he's you know, for being a little guy, he's able to get into the lane just, and make some tough finishes. Just seeing how aggressive he can get. I mean, you, at times you don't know really what you're gonna get from him. Whether he'll try to connect from free or he'll try to find a way uh, inside for the big defenders, kind of like what Deuce Vaughn does, uh, like a little football connection there. Uh, he kind of goes around uh, defenders a little bit and kind of goes for like a little alley-oop. Uh, n- not an alley-oop, but kind of like a Up and under? Hook. Up and under. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> up and under. You've got, yeah, well, you got to wear off the rust for a basketball uh, terminology. I, yeah, I have the same I, thing. I, yeah, it's just – <laughs> and then and then one more point I want to make. We were surprisingly reliant on threes, which is a bit different from last year. You know, 9 of 22 from three-point range. But, you know, last year we shot it, you know, under 30%, which was like bottom 40 and like 320th or something. So, I mean, you know, you don't want to live and die by the three, but it's definitely something to, you know, keep our eyes on, especially next I week mean, against like Omaha. You, like if you find your opportunity where you can where you can make three-pointers, like just go for it. I, and I don't see it. Just, 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 bleh, just don't do it when you're pressurized, when, when you're you're too pressured. Yeah, when you yeah when you really need a bucket, especially early on getting into your offense. Now, John, are you ready for some trivia? I'm sorry. What? Well, uh, we'll give you we'll give you thirty. Se- we gotta give me the intro here. Well, yeah. Hold on. Well, let's go ahead and hear a word from Tanner's. Give you a second to yeah, kind of prepare no and Google uh, all the answers. Uh, this man literally said for me to Google answers. John. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Are I you sure you're ready? ready? I got nothing to lose. Are you sure you're ready? Are you sure you're ready for? Are you ready? I, I... K-State Trivia. Yes. All right, let's do this. Song is Dynamic Power by Rock and Stock. Thank you very much for that. All right, 
I got nine questions for football. (laughs) I had to. I don't. I don't want to get sued. Uh, I got nine for football, five for basketball. Uh, Let's do this. Okay. First question. Keep it current. K State right now is averaging 219.3 passing yards per game, which is the highest since what year? Now you can go ahead and get one guess said, without multiple choice. You said you said passing 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 right? yards. Yes. Okay. So if you want to throw out a random guess, random guesses, you can, and then I'll give you multiple let's, choice. Let's try it out. Uh, Here, I don't. Me, I don't think it's 2003. Is your guess 2003? Uh, yeah. Just okay, 2003 is incorrect. Okay. That was actually one of the multiple choice answers. Okay, your options are 2007, okay. 2014, 2015. Ooh, I completely forgot about 2014. I don't know why. I'm going to I'm gonna just put on my gut. I'm going to go 2015. 2015? All right. Oh, whoops. Hold on one second. There you go. Okay, it was 2014. Okay. I, 287.4 I, yards per game. I, I was I was thinking 2014 as well, but I was like, okay, clearly clearly it could be one of the other few years as well because 2013 would look pretty, yeah, our last pretty great, dang good at like, the end of a year. It was kind of like the Jake Waters years were our last I, great passing I years. I don't know where 2015 came up in my mind. Maybe the Iowa State game that Yeah, year, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Question number two. Skylar Thompson currently ranks second in career passing yards at K State, behind who? Mm. If you want, maybe we could do it a little faster. I could just give you the multiple choice right now, if you would like. Yeah, go go ahead. For okay, multiple choice. Josh Freeman, Chad May, Jake Waters, Lynn Dickey. Um, I like to say either. I think it's gonna be. I I think. Either Lynn Dickey or Chad May. I think I'm going to go Lynn Dickey. Lynn Dickey? All right, let's see if you got it right or wrong for who has the most career passing yards at K-State. Josh Freeman. What? 8,078 passing yards. Really? Yeah. In the Ron Prince days. Yes. Yeah. And then Skylar Thompson's at 6,569. Lynn Dickey is third. Jake Waters is fourth, Chad May is fifth. So okay. it's Josh Freeman, Skylar Thompson, Lynn Dickey, Jake Waters, Chad May. Dang. Okay. Boy, I gotta I gotta catch up on This next question stuff. is connect this is probably my this might be my favorite question. Josh Freeman, like we've just mentioned, is the all time career passing yards leader at K State, but of all the non quarterbacks at K State, who has the most passing yards? Out of a non wait, say that the non quarterbacks who has the most passing yards. Ooh, I think I know. You just gotta okay. give me some. I think I think uh, this one is easier than it looks. Jordy Nelson, Mike Montgomery, L.J. Brown, Daniel Thomas. Daniel Thomas. That's your answer. Oh no! Is that your final answer? <sighs> I'm gonna gamble. Go big or go home. Daniel Thomas. Is woo correct? Let's go. It's correct. Yes, he was. Where was it? Let's go. Seven for 12, 155 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Oh man, 
Jordy Nelson was three for six, 72 yards, two TDs. Pretty efficient. I, I should have got. That is actually pretty efficient. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna skip this question. I was gonna ask you to try and name as many players as possible from the Shane Porter TikTok video, but we'll go ahead and skip okay, it. Okay, Jake Rubley is one of them. Yeah, I can. Th- I never. Mind. I, I, I watched thought. that video way too many times for research for this to try and find. Anyway, yeah, and, and too many KU fans have as well. So uh, we just <laughs> we just have to bring that up when they lose. You just got wiggity waxed by the by style the, boys. By the back okay. boys. Okay, when was Case? Uh, hold on one sec. We gotta we gotta do this right. Question number four. I think this is question number four. When was K State's first football season? 1903, uh, 1900, 1896, 1894. When was K-State's first 96. football season? 1896. 1896. 1896. Is we all know about K-State's struggles early on in their college football history. How many seasons did it take for K-State to have a winning record? So it started in 1896. So if you want to give me a year, that's totally fine as well. Or you can say how many years from 1896. Well, I would, I would say, oh, man, that's a winning, a winning record. like A like, winning record. Like above just, 500. Ooh. They didn't play a ton of games back then, by the way. They had to travel on mud. <laughs> Uphill? Uh, Play Washington High School out of all these teams. Um, and lose. <laughs> boy. So starting 1896, 1896, when was their first winning season? First winning season. Is there any multiple choice? I yeah. forgot to write down multiple choice, but I can make it up right now if you would like. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, 1896, 1903, okay. 1912, 1905. Gonna go 1905. 1905 is correct. I am on fire today. Mike Ahern's first season. Mike took, Ahern took the okay. Cats to six and two. How about right. that? Okay. The one who built the fuel house. All right. Yeah. The, <laughs> one of the great, you know, figures at K State. One of the 32 different football coaches in K State's history. So the next question is. Which one of these is not a former K-State head coach? Is it A, Pappy Waldorf, Doug Weaver, Frank Welker, or Vince Gibson? Who? Which of these elaborate, is... Elaborate as like a non-K-State. Like which of these is... One of these, like three of these are K-State coaches, oh, okay. and one of them is not. Okay, but what, what were so, the options? So Pappy Waldorf, Doug Weaver, Frank Welker, Vince Gibson. Which one of these is not a former K-State head coach? What was the first one? Pappy Waldorf. Not the inventor of the Waldorf salad. I'm going to go Frank Welker. What? What? Frank Welker? That's your guess. That's my guess. Okay. That is correct. Pappy Waldorf coached one season in 1934. Yep. They went 7-2-1, 5-0 oh in conference play in the Big Six. Doug Weaver was from 1960 to 1966, a whopping Eight sixty and one. What a record! Times. Vince Gibson was from sixty-seven to sixty-four, and Frank Welker is a voice actor most famous for playing Fred on Scooby Doo. Really? Yes, and he also has the same birthday as me. So that's how I figured okay, out the okay. random person. I just I just looked up people with my birthday and thought that guy sounds like a K State head coach. Wow! I know. Well, you, 
you clearly didn't know that he was a football coach back then, though. Frank so Walker? Had, well, no, yet the 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 guy who does the voice impression for Shaggy. Yeah. No, I just thought I just I thought he sounded like a football coach. You you had to go through Wikipedia and and had to literally search through <laughs> like all the options. I did. I spent I, I spent I, way uh, too much time yeah. on this. Okay, next question. We're gonna switch to basketball. When was K State's first basketball season? First basketball season. Man, I forgot to write down multiple choice, but I can make them up for you as well. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, eighteen ninety six. Nope. Uh, nineteen. Oh seven, mm-hmm. uh, nineteen, oh two, and nineteen oh three. When you're thinking about nineteen oh two, you're clearly like you have your you were raising your eyes. You, you okay, well I probably should have wrote these down beforehand, so you can't just read me. <laughs> uh, was nineteen oh seven one of a, one of them? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna go nineteen oh seven. Nineteen oh seven is incorrect. It was nineteen oh two. Well, oh, there's some, there's dang. some, there's some like conflicting. You, you, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do another basketball one. Yeah, uh, okay, ahead. so this is kind of hard. Name the starting five of the 2009-2010 team that made the Elite Eight and lost to Butler. Woo. And this is based on, like, I just went to College Basketball Reference and whoever had the most starts. And this is probably their starting lineup most of okay. the time. I can, I can probably think of it. Let me see. Dennis Clemente. Yep. Jacob Owen. Of course. Yep. Curtis Kelly. Yes. Those uh, are those are the yeah those are the three. I don't I don't want to say easy ones, but three ones that are definitely recognizable. Uh, okay, put on the music because uh, I got yeah I'll go and I'll go ahead and give the audience. Um, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Uh, I just gotta, I just gotta think back to some of the uh, K State Xavier highlights from the Sweet Sixteen that year. Uh, dang! I'm... I'll give you like fifteen more seconds. Curtis, I don't blame Curtis Samuel. Uh, no, no. Okay, I, I, that was okay. my list. Oh yeah. wait, Mo- Montavious Mervin. Wait, uh, Mont- no, he was, um, he was on the Montavious roster, Mervin. but he was like a freshman. I'm pretty okay. sure. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was Dominic Sutton was Dominic the fourth, Sutton, and Luis okay. Colon. Now, Luis Colon only started like twenty something games. You don't right. remember Luis Colon? No. Anyway, Not yeah, at he all. was our center. Anyway, okay. So uh, let's go back to football. Let's see where are we at here. Oh, I got it. okay. This is a fun one. Okay, the, in the 2010 Pinstripe Bowl with 113 left in the game. It was 36 to 28. Syracuse was leading. You're bringing back dark times. A K State wide receiver scores a touchdown and gives us a chance to tie with a two point conversion now 34 36. But he decides to celebrate by giving a salute to the crowd, which was called for excessive celebration. Dang it! If that was who was the K State wide was, receiver? If that was only the answer, then I then I would have then I would have. Oh, known. what he what he did? Yeah. But. Okay, so here are your options: Adrian Hilburn, Chris Harper, Tremaine Thompson. Audrey Quarles. Tremaine Thompson? That's your final answer? It is incorrect. It's Adrian Hilburn. I honestly didn't remember it either. But it's, 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 it's like the pre-second stint of Bill Snyder. Yeah, that was like the first that, that bowl was game. A, that, was, that was around Prince Recruits still, so I, I don't know. Yeah, that was the first bowl game I remember watching. And then uh, was, this one I, I got at the last minute. Okay, so oh, actually, let's go ahead and give the dramatic music for this one. Dun, 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 dun. K-State has played in the Fiesta Bowl three times. 
1997, 2003, 2012. Went to the one in 2013. Yeah, I mean, that's technically, like, I just did the 1997 seasons, you know, because 97 was December 31st. I think 03 was actually January 1st, 04. But you know, no, actually, that was January 1st, 1998. Oh, it was? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you know what I mean, though. <laughs> anyway, who are our three opponents in those games? Okay, my, well, this one's Syracuse in 98, Ohio State in 2003, Oregon 2013. Yeah, of course. You nailed it. Can, now, extra credit. Can you name the quarterbacks that we played against? Uh, you should, I think you can get two. You can get two, I'm pretty sure. Marcus Mariota at yes. Oregon. Two of them. Boy, I, Ohio State. Uh, you, you're not going to get the Ohio State one. Syracuse. If it was Kirk Herbstreit, then I would just lose it. <laughs> wait, no, no, no. Wait, he's, no, he's been a college game. Pr- day. It was wait, probably wait, on game day. Yeah, by he's, on, he's on game day. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. Uh no, nah, I got nothing on the other two. Uh, nineteen Syracuse was Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb. Yes, we beat Donovan McNabb, okay. and then and then Craig Kenzel. I don't know if if you just had some random memory, but I just thought you know if you could you you just look really cool. All right, um, okay, we'll give we'll give these two less more boring ones, and we'll save a good one for last. Uh, in the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, sorry. Whoops. Uh, nineteen fifty one. K State made it to the national championship where they lost to who? Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go ahead and give you a ding for that. 68 yeah, to 58. Yeah. All right, true or false? K-State and KU have played each other in, in the NCAA tournament. They did. Yeah. Do you know uh, the year? Multiple choice? Uh, I don't have multiple choice, but... Okay. uh, Is 1968 an option? No. It was the 80s. I'll tell you that. Oh, okay, the 80s. All right. All right, give me some give me some uh and some options in the 80s. Yeah, some options in the 80s. All right. Um 83, 85, 88, 85. You just said 85 twice. I did? Yeah. Oh shoot. I did say it twice. Whatever. It's 85, isn't it? No. No. <laughs> no, it's it's 19. It was it was, eight, it it was, was 88. 88. Yeah, in the Elite 8 on their championship run. Man. KU won 71 to 58 thanks to 20 points from Danny Manning. Mitch Richmond struggled going 4 for 14 for only 11 points. You know, that year in uh, 2009, K State was number two uh, in the same region Kansas was number one. Yeah. And Obama and Barack Obama had his little bracketology happening. He had KU and K State in the Elite Eight. That would have been fun. But yeah. they had to just lose to Northern Iowa, those losers. Those losers. Anyway, Flamma. all right, this is my. This might be my favorite question. In the Sweet 16 of that 2009-2010 year, K-State played Xavier in an all-time NCAA tournament classic. At the end of the first overtime, down 84-87, Jordan Crawford puts up a deep three to tie the game and descend it to double over T. What noise does Gus Johnson make when Crawford hits the shot? I don't want to make the noises, but whoa! Or... He tied it. Clemente fires, and we're going to overtime. I think that was a pretty good guess. Honestly, if Clemente made that shot, I would have lost. I don't know what Gus Johnson would have done, but let's go ahead and listen to see if he was right. 11 to go. Holloway kicks it out. Crawford, 8. Crawford's got to hurry. Oh, no. He tied it. Clemente. Clemente fires. That was a crazy Forgot game. Forgot about the O now. Oh, five ways. Uh, I just got to say, thank goodness Gavin Potter chose to play.